The Fake Show Podcast would like to welcome our newest sponsor, Moonshot, a one-of-a-kind site where artists are free to express their passions. Look around for awesome pop culture t-shirts with everything from TV and film, sports, and the very cool vintage Vegas designs. We're also brought to you by the law firm of Hutchison & Stefan, Craft House Brewery in Henderson, Mr. Antenna, and Banger Brewing in downtown Las Vegas. Welcome to The Fake Show. I'm Jim Tofteen, legendary drummer Carmine Apiece is a true survivor, especially in the current environment of losing so many musicians at a much too rapid pace. Carmine's career spans more than five decades, starting with Vanilla Fudge and including collaborations with Jeff Beck, Rod Stewart, Ozzy Osbourne, and Pink Floyd, to name a few. Now we get a behind-the-scenes look at the rock star's life in his new book titled Stick It, My Life of Sex, Drums, and Rock and Roll including his time living under the same roof with Prince. Got him on the line right now, Mr. Carmine Apiece. Hey, Jim, how you doing? Carmine, I'm great. How are you today? I'm good, I'm good. You're up bright and early. How do you explain that? Yeah, yeah, but not as early as you. <laughs> I have loved your work dating back to Vanilla Fudge, and since Prince's recent passing, in your new book, you talk about how you shared a house with him. Can you talk about that? Yeah, uh, well, he was, you know, he was uh, starting out, and he was releasing his first album, Dirty Mind, and uh, I was actually getting a divorce, so uh, a friend, I, lo- I was looking for a place to move out of my house, you know, because I didn't want to be in my house with the ex-wife kind of thing, you know? Right. So uh, my friend Jamie owned this house in Studio City, California, and she uh, she was having some financial problems, so I, I sort of bought into the house, and with that came this room in the house. And then she told me that when Prince, this new act she has, comes into town, he stays at the house. And I said, that's fine, because I was still working with Rod Stewart at the time. We were on the road a lot, and I was... Uh, I stayed in my uh, new girlfriend's like house as well. So between you know those two situations, I wasn't there a lot. So so when, especially when he was there, I tried to stay away, you know, so he can stay in the room. And you know, so I used to go home to the house every day, and I'd see him and I'd say hi to him, and he'd be playing like music, and I'd be high energy in New York and all that stuff, and then say, hey, Prince, how you doing? And he goes. Okay. <laughs> very shy. <laughs> right. Very shy, like I was, and he was intimidated by me, you know. And then, um, so that would happen every day. And I talked to him. So little by little, we got to know him better and better. And one day I walked into the, my room to get something. He was in bed with uh, Vanity, you know, from Vanity Six. <laughs> right. That was his right. girlfriend at the time. And, and I said, oh, sorry, dude. You know, I, I'm, I just got to get some. So he said, no problem. So I got my thing. Next day, I apologized for walking in on him. I didn't know <laughs> they were there, you know. Yeah. And then, and you know, it went like that for a while. And um, one time, he asked me to drive to Hollywood. I, I had a Pantera at the time, and I, uh, you know, a very fast sports car. And I took him to Hollywood, and I think I scared him in the car. You know, so he was driving pretty crazy, <laughs> and uh, stuff like that. And uh, and uh, one one time, that we got into some really heavy conversations when he got booed off the stage at this Coliseum. And, uh, L.A. was opening for the uh, Stones, you know. When he got back to the house, he was really depressed and really, you know, yeah, felt really bad about it. And me and Jamie uh, sat down and talked to him, and you know, we talked a long time about it, you know. And then, um, you know, and then I went about my business, and uh, you know, I, I bought another house and I got out of there. And 
And uh, he went on, he still stayed there and went on in his career. Next thing I know, he's got these big hit records. And uh, I went to see him play, and I couldn't believe it was the same guy, you know, because he was like so outrageous on stage wearing women's underwear, you know, right. laying on the floor like he's having sex with it. <laughs> they had a mattress <laughs> on the stage. It was crazy, you know. And I went backstage and you know saw him. At the time, I was endorsing our sponsor, uh, sponsorship for this uh, Mattel electronic drum, and I knew he liked electronic drums, so I gave him one, and he thanked me for it. And you know, through the years, he'd have drummer friends that were friends of mine. I'd say, uh, "Hey, uh, say hi to Prince for me," and he would actually say hi back, you know. And uh, through the drummers, you know, but I haven't really talked to him in a long time. But it was, you know, at the beginning of his career, and he was a really nice guy, very shy, timid. You know, almost introverted kind of guy. It's interesting because Carmine, the uh, I suppose it's the case with a lot of rock stars. When the lights go on, it's all business. They're a little more outrageous. But when the lights turn off, in many cases, it's just a regular shy person. Right, exactly. It's, it's like Jimi Hendrix was like that too. You know, I knew him before he was Jimi Hendrix. He was Jimi James. That's also in the book. You know, we are talking about stories from my book, Stick It, right? Right, right. My yeah. life of sex, drums, and rock and roll. Now, when you started out as a kid, you were running around with, according to your book, you were running around with gangs in Brooklyn, New York. Yeah, there were some gangs there. And, you know, you basically did that to be to be safe in the neighborhood, too, you know? Because if you, if you didn't have a gang, you'd be picked on by gangs. And when you did, when you were a member of a gang, you know, people left you alone, you know. So it was part of a self-preservation plan. <laughs> so how do you go from that to then getting into drumming? Did you take drum lessons? And, and what about, uh, and what time was that that you kind of started to get into that? Uh, well, I started, I don't know, I was about 11, 12 years old. Right. And my, my cousin had drums, so whenever we went to his house, I would... You know, I'd bang on these drums, and I'd go home, and I would, I would, you know, bang in the pots and pans. And after a couple of years of that, you know, that's probably younger because I got a drum set when I was about 11. My parents finally said, "Well, let's get, you know, I, on my birthday and Christmas were always close, so I always used to get a bigger present for both because I would get it for both, you know. So they bought me for my birthday and Christmas that time. They bought me a drum set, you know." And uh, it was a really old, crappy thing, you know, but it was a drum, real drum set, you know. And uh, so I, I set up in my cellar of my in my grandmother's house where we lived, I set up a, an old tabletop from an antique table that was probably worth a lot of money now. <laughs> and I, I put cinder blocks on the floor, put the tabletop on there, and I made myself a little stage. And uh, my grandfather had a shoemaker business. Uh, he had a shoemaking thing down there like a table and a lot. He used to bang on the shoes and I used to play drums and sometimes he confused me tempo-wise. He'd be banging in a different tempo than I was playing. You know? <laughs> so I'd have to ask him, hey, Grandpa, can you play this tempo? And give him like a one, two, three, four. That <laughs> 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 yeah, was really funny. So how long... And that's how it started, you know, and then I started playing more and playing gigs and then I got a better drum set when I started playing more gigs, and eventually, by the time I was 17, uh, I was getting out of school, and I, I had made enough money to buy myself a brand new Chevy Supersport in 1964, 327, four-speed, you know, a perfect car for a young guy. You know? Right. How old were you when you guys formed Vanilla Fudge, which seemed to be your first kind of big break? It was actually 1966. I was going to be 20 years old. I was 19 years old. 
Now we started we started the, the group in September of '66. I joined the group. They were already going, and then um, I, I decided to go with them because uh, they they had plans on getting hit records and making big. And big hit records, you know, so and they had a manager who was connected to the mob that was putting us on salary and it seemed like a good idea and then nine months later, we had uh, Keep Me Hanging On, which was a demo hit the charts and what it hit in the charts, I consider that the beginning of my musical you know, my music business career That's incredible, isn't it? Does it seem like it just went by in a heartbeat? It did, you know, and especially lately you know Lately, it's just going by so fast, and, and I'm looking at all the people we're losing, you know, in the business here, and then it just keeps going and going. I mean, there's, a, there's Prince, and then right after that was, I got Billy Paul, and then, uh, me and Mrs. Jones, right. a huge record, you know, and just it just keeps coming, and I don't know why. I mean, I don't remember, like, the last generation of musicians, like the Frank Sinatra generation, you know, I don't remember them all dying at once, or even... Even, you know, the 50s, Bo Diddley, Chuck Berry generation, you know, I mean, Bo Diddley's gone, Chuck Berry's still alive. I know, Carmine, that you have to go this morning. You're on a, a pretty quick radio tour. I can't wait to read Stick It, My Life of Sex, Drums, and Rock and Roll, and I suggest that... Also, if anybody wants to buy it today, they can go to my website, CarmineAndPeace.com, and buy it, and it'll be autographed. As of uh, Sunday, it comes out in stores and everything, so... Carmine, always great to talk to you, great to catch up up with you and you have the best of luck with the book and on the tour thank you so much carmine all right carmine is ever the consummate salesman high energy is right and if you want to see how great he is behind the drum kit check out some of his videos on youtube one of the greatest ever well we've come to the close of another episode of the fake show i'm jim tofty thanks for stopping by and i'll see you next time take the fake show with you at thefakeshow.com soundcloud and at itunes 